Welcome to the New Hope Leeward podcast. Well, happy July 4th weekend, New Hope Leeward. How are we doing? Hey, it's good to see you. So glad that you are here. Welcome to everybody here at Kapolei. Those of you joining us online here on Oahu, neighbor island across the ocean, we are so glad that you are here too. My name is Josiah. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. Thank you so much. I feel like I haven't been, I haven't been preaching much this summer, so it's good to be back. Um, before we start today, I actually want to get into some very important updates about our Waipahu campus and our move over to there, because this move is coming up actually a lot sooner than some of us might think. So let me give you some context in case you're new to the church. Let me catch you up to what's going on. For the last several years, actually several, several years, we have felt that the Lord has been calling us from two campuses to one, and we had been praying through it for a while, and COVID kind of afforded us this opportunity as a church to stop and really take a step back and look at everything we were doing. Now, since we've opened, we, we only have one campus having church right now. The other campus has our preschool. And we went through this process of doing the due diligence of both campuses and more importantly, praying through where God would have us be. And time and time again, the Lord confirmed for us again and again and again that we were going to move back to Waipahu. Now, let me tell you uh, this decision It wasn't birthed out of doing less as a church, but rather doing more, just more in the right direction. Instead of straddling two heavy heavy leases, we wanted to move to one so that more resources can go outside the walls rather than paying to keep them up. Would you say amen to that? It makes sense. More than running church. Now, before COVID, we ran eight services every single weekend, and it nearly killed us. It nearly killed me. But that in the, I don't want to say the old days because it wasn't that long ago, but in those days, that was the mark of a healthy church. However many campuses you have, however many services you have, and the more you have, the better. But we have found that filled seats do not equal changed hearts. So more than just running church over and over again, we bring the cattle in, sorry to call you cattle, bring the cattle in, we send them out. But more than running church, we want to be the church to those around us, to you, to your families, to those you are praying for that do not yet know Christ. Life is a grain of sand on a vast seashore and with the very little time that we all have left, we want to spend it impacting people's lives directly. And so this is a good and necessary move for our church. Now, for those of you that you've only come in the last couple of years to this church, so Kapolei Campus is actually all that you know. I want to thank you for trusting us as we move literally 10 minutes down the H1, eight minutes if you drive really fast, down the H1. And really, it's not like deep in Waipahu. It's where Kunia, Eva Beach, and Waipahu all intersect. It's right by the freeway. And I, I know 10 minutes, is, it's, uh, 10 minutes is like an hour on the mainland. So let me just say this. Would you do this? Would you make the move with us to Waipahu? And I'm going to tell you one in a moment. Will you make the move with us? And would you pray if this is your church? Because if it is, then 10 minutes doesn't really matter. Would you say amen to that? It doesn't. It it, it doesn't matter. And so would you pray through that and trust us as we move together? And we have had so many new visitors over the past couple months. So we've had some of you come to the church for the first time. Some of you just moved here. We have people that watch online and they come and they visit our church in person, which is so amazing. And one of the best compliments that I have received as a pastor 
from multiple people. And one that really sticks out to me was uh, another pastor that was visiting from the mainland because pastors, we can sometimes be the most critical. And this pastor told me that when he walked into our church, okay, so the worship team hadn't strummed a chord yet, although they are really, really great. Uh, I or the teaching team, we hadn't spoken a word yet. But when he walked into our church, he felt the presence of God. And friends, that is not the building. That is not the building. That's not the building. That's not because Kapolei is so great. I, uh, although I live here and I love Kapolei, but I, uh, I was visiting the mainland uh, just a couple weeks ago and I met this, this Tida, like true, true Tida from Waianae. And I was so excited to tell her. I was so excited to tell her I was from Kapolei because like, we're like neighbors. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm from Kapolei. And you know what she said? She said, ew. <laughs> she said, ew. And then my buddy, who's also a pastor, goes, he grew up in Hawaii Kai. And I was like, shh, shut up, shut up. You're my street cred, man. It's not, it's not the building, it's not Kapole, it is God, it is you, it is I, it is God in us. Would you say amen to that? It's something that happens when God's people agree and we come together for the same purpose. That's what makes the church special. And so we're gonna move soon, friends. So if you wanna take out your phones and you wanna write down these dates, these are gonna be very important. If you wanna do like uh, the old school thing, you take a picture of the side screen, you can do that too. Um, so we have four more weeks, okay? Four more weeks in this building. I know, it's really soon. So July 29, 30th is going to be online. Everybody say online. The, the, whole, the whole church, we're gonna be online for one weekend only. The reason for that is we're gonna strip as much equipment as we can. My Paulo Campus equipment is really, really old. So we're gonna strip as much as we can here to save money. We're gonna strip it one weekend. We're gonna set it up the following weekend. I would love to go from one campus to the other in one week. We have done that before as a church and it killed us. It nearly killed us. So we're not gonna do that. We're gonna value our staff. We're gonna value our teams and we're gonna be online for just one weekend only. Then we're gonna open at, um, we're gonna open at Waipahu on August 6th, okay? So everybody can write down August 6th and we're gonna open with three brand new service times, okay? So write these down, like, because you, uh, I know you're gonna forget. I know for two years, we're gonna have people coming to the wrong services, okay? So if you look down, so Leeward Online Saturday, no change at all. Sunday morning, if you look at the bottom right corner, okay? 8 a.m., 9.45 and 11.30. So you early birds, I know you've been wanting your 7 a.m. We're closer, okay? We're closer to that, you early birds, we have an earlier service for you. Those of you that you like to sleep in a little bit more, nine's a little too early. Now we got 9.45 and we got 11.30. Now here's what you can pray for. We've been building out nearly 7,000 and 10,000, if you count the playground, nearly 7,000 square feet of space. So we have a full unfinished upstairs at Waipahu that we're building out. We took over the space next door. It used to be a payless many years ago to make room for our K through eighth grade that is here at this campus and is gonna move over with our preschool, okay? When we started the project, we were gonna be done in July, no problem, okay? In fact, our, our builders could even get the project done now, but we are stuck with a Department of Planning and Permitting. So if anybody has tried to build anything, the Lord is bigger than the DPP. Can I get an amen to that? Okay, he's bigger than the DPP. But we're, but we're, but we are waiting. We're, we're waiting on them. We've been waiting on them for several months. And we knew that we would go through that with the Payless, uh, old Payless space. And now we're going through it with the upstairs because we did have plans, but we had added some walls up there, which had changed everything. And um, every, every business in the island is struggling with this right now. 
Uh, so what this means is that the school is going to have to occupy every inch of space that it can, like the, the, the sanctuary, the foyer, and set up classrooms during the week. We've done this before as a church. It's hard because we have to break down the whole campus for church and then set it all back up. It is doable, but it is difficult. And so if you could pray for that, because we just do not have a timeline from the state of Hawaii. And I think the temptation for me, I kind of feel like in some ways our church, well, not in some ways, in many ways, we, we have stepped out of the boat towards Christ and what he's called us to do. There's a temptation to want to turn around and say, oh no, let's just hold on to the campus a little bit longer while we wait for the DPP. And I feel like that's just going against what Christ has told us to do. So we have all the contractors in place. They're all scheduled. They're gonna rip all this stuff out. They're gonna set it up at the other campus. Thank you for praying that we would find a sublesser for this campus. We believe that we have. It's in the final stages. So I'm not gonna say who it is just yet, but I will tell you very, very soon. And so I, I, I take comfort in this. We do need a lot of prayer. We absolutely do. It's gonna, it's gonna just moving in general is crazy but I take comfort in knowing the fact that our God is overall, he is through all, and he is in all. And he has taken us through much rougher seas than this as a church before. Would you say amen? So a little move really ain't anything. And I already have the first joke I'm gonna tell when we get to the Waipahu campus. And I'm so excited that I'm gonna tell it now. And because I'm a dad, I'm gonna tell it again in a month too. And I'm gonna laugh all the same. Okay, so you ready? Knock, knock. Waipahu. Waipahu, gang is out. <laughs> I'm gonna tell it again. I'm gonna tell it again, and I'm gonna laugh all the same. I hope you will too. Okay, um, you can steal that joke if you want. Okay, today uh, we're gonna jump into this uh, series. We're gonna continue it. This series that we've been doing called Heroes of Failure, and today we're looking at. I mean, this series we're looking at some of the biggest fails from some of the biggest heroes in the Bible, and today we're gonna talk through one of if not the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, Elijah, okay? So turn with me to 1 Kings 19, and I gotta catch you up. I gotta catch you up, 1 Kings 18. Can I paraphrase through it? We could do a whole series, whole message on 1 Kings 18 because it's just wild. So Ahab is the king of Israel. Everybody say Ahab. Now Ahab is listed as like the most wicked king. There's some really bad ones in Israel's timeline, but he was the worst. And this is likely due, and it actually says, because of his wife, Jezebel. Now, Jezebel was going out and literally just killing off the Lord's prophets. So much so that there are a hundred left, and they're hiding in a cave, 50 and 50. And then there's Elijah, who is out in the open. You know, Elijah is bold. He goes to, to King Ahab, and he issues this uh, challenge. So I want you to call all Israel to Mount Carmel. I want you to bring the prophets of Baal with you. I think it's about 450, just bring them all. And it's gonna be all of them versus me. And so they get there that day and Elijah already has two bulls. He lets them pick first and he says, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna sacrifice your bull on the altar. And then after I'm gonna sacrifice mine and whichever God answers by fire, you can't touch it. Whichever God answers by fire, we know that God is real. So you guys go first. Elijah sits back and he kicks back all day. And he watches these guys prophesy and pray and cry out. And it goes from morning to noon and then it goes all the way into the evening. They begin cutting themselves, spilling their own blood on the ground, hoping that they will arouse the God of Baal and still nothing. 
So Elijah, after making fun of them a little bit, it's really fun, you should go check it out. He, he says, enough is enough. He gets up, he restores this altar of the Lord that had been broken down. He takes the sacrifice and then he has water poured on it three different times, just, just to prove that it's gonna be really hard for this thing to catch fire. Pours water on it, he prays, now fire comes down from heaven, just it devours this sacrifice. And Elijah's not done from there. Like he could have walked away and said, I won, it's over. But he turns to all the people who are now saying the Lord is God. And he says, I want you to seize all these 450 prophets and I want you to slaughter all of them. Okay, so fire from heaven, huge victory. Okay, huge victory. This situation alone, this, this one instance had enough power to turn everything around, to change the whole nation. So Elijah, you have to imagine, he's feeling pretty good. Like he's, he's flying pretty high right now. Now let's jump in to 1 Kings 19, 1 through 2. This is the next chapter now, right after that, that huge victory. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So he goes, he goes and he tells on Elijah to his wife. So Jezebel, not to be messed with, sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. So basically, may, may my gods kill me if by tomorrow I haven't killed you. Okay, I grew up, uh, as you know, I grew up in Huaykai, and I've actually just started telling people uh, now that I'm from Iswamanalo. That's where I grew up, Iswamanalo. Um, <laughs> that, that's it, that's the place. Um, and then now I live, I live in Kapolei, which is East Wainai, so I'll mess you up, okay? So I grew up, I grew up in Huaykai, and um, I, went, I went to Kaiser High School, and, I, and I'm just gonna tell you this. I don't know if it's changed now, okay? So don't, if you live out there, don't beat me up, it's fine. I got backing anyway, I got Wainai on my sides. But, but when I went to school there, when people would fight, they were all talk, yeah? So this is what would happen. If two guys were gonna scrap, everybody get really excited. This is before the days of cell phones, right? So everybody is just like kind of looking. And, and, and the guys wouldn't fight. They would just kind of bounce around each other like this. They would just make noises, you know, but not engage until the fight was broken up. Even some of the tittas, they would just get in each other's faces and their tittabuns would fight at the top. Fake eyelash battles, you know, <laughs> don't beat me up, I'm sorry. Fake eyelash battles until, until the fight was broken up. It was just, it was just, it was all talk. Now this is, please don't beat me up. This is... This is, this is what Jezebel is doing. She's, she's just all talk right now. There are many uh, scholars point out that Elijah now has the backing of the people. Like he said, slaughter these prophets. They did it. So she wouldn't dare lay a hand on him because she finds him in a second with a messenger. She could have found him with an army, but she doesn't. But this is Elijah. This is Elijah, called fire down from heaven, stood up against 450 prophets. One, one titta is not gonna scare my man, Elijah. So look at verse three. Elijah was full of faith. Oh, wait, I, I read that wrong, hold on. <laughs> Elijah called out to the Lord. Nope, wrong. Elijah was what? Afraid. And he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey in, in, into the wilderness. So into the, he just walks into the desert. 
He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So Elijah goes from calling fire down from heaven to being so depressed that he asks God to kill him. And this mountaintop moment that he had in 1 Kings 18 might have been the exact thing that brought him down into the valley. He believed at the showdown at Mount Carmel that everything would change. Israel would return to God, opposition would cease, things would start finally panning out. And when nothing happens the way he thought, his high hopes are dashed to the ground. And he's depressed and suicidal, walking into the wilderness, laying down. He asked that God would take his life. Now, now, now let me say this. Maybe none of us, or maybe only a few of us, have ever really ever prayed that prayer before. God, take my life. That's not, a, that's not a common prayer that maybe many of us have prayed, but surely the prayer that he prays before, I think we have all prayed it at some point. He says, I have had enough, Lord. I'm done, I'm over it, I'm tired, I can't do it, I give up. And I think there are some of you that are in, maybe not some, maybe many of us that are in that place right now. You're tired, you're spent. And so I wanna be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be really transparent as I, as I often try to be in this message about things that I have been through. Now, let me say this because every time you guys care about me so much, anytime I share anything, every auntie is like, oh my gosh, pastor, are you okay? Sermons, they're not a cry for help, okay? They're not, I have people that I can talk to, but I wanna be very transparent with you because um, you can, well, you can just write this down. Let's do this first. The strongest of hearts will fail. It's not a matter of if our hearts will fail at some point. It's a matter of when. In 2019, our our church was completely thriving. We had just gotten out of $2 million of debt that we had inherited from the past. Things were going really, really well. We were running eight services every weekend and despite things going well, there were some really good times in there. Not everything was bad. But deep, deep down underneath it all, I was tired and I was pretty miserable. So I was burnt out and uh, like Elijah, I had kind of isolated myself from a lot of people and I, I prayed like him. Not, not Lord, kill me, but I, I was, my, my prayers sounded like, Lord, I'm done. Like I can't, like I'm, I'm spent and I can't actually do this any longer. And so I, I, was, I was depressed. And it was the first time in my life I was like, at this time, 38 now, 33, 34. It was the first time in my life that I had ever felt depression. I had never dealt with that before in my life. And so after years of saying I would, I finally went to see a Christian therapist, which doesn't make you less faithful. Amen. If you had a headache, you took ibuprofen, you have cancer, you get treatment, Nobody would dare say, oh, you just don't trust the Lord. But sometimes we do that when it comes to things of the mind. I went to go see a Christian therapist and um, the, the, the place that I went to was in Northwest Waimanalo. It's Kailua, it's in Kailua, okay? Um, <laughs> everything's gonna revolve around uh, Waimanalo and Waina now. Okay, so um, I, I picked Kailua because it was the furthest away from the church. It was the furthest, furthest location 
that I could find uh, from, from New Hope Leeward. And every week I drove on the H3 uh, and it's such a beautiful drive. And every week on this beautiful drive, I prayed the most depressing prayers to the Lord. I've just got, I'm done, I'm tired, I can't do it. And there's a lot of weeping on those drives. And, and, and over time, as I, would, as I would show up and just be really honest and transparent, God began to show up too. And there was a lot, there was a lot more weeping that would happen on those drives, but not because I was sad, but because God was meeting me in the middle of my pain. And it's not as though that everything's perfect and I never get depressed and I never struggle anymore. But man, I, I had to make that drive the other day. I was driving over the H3 and I was just, I was thinking about all those prayers that I had prayed before. And I was just so thankful that, that God was with me through all of those points and that he is still with me now. Would you say amen to that? That he is still with you. He is still with you when your heart fails and hearts will fail. They will always fail, whether it be your pastor, whether it be the great prophet Elijah. And because we know we will all end up here at some point for the next 15 minutes or so, and then we'll have a little bit of time worshiping together. I, I don't wanna just pick apart what Elijah did wrong because sometimes you can check all the right spiritual boxes and still end up tired anyway. You can still end up in this place anyway. It does happen. And so I don't wanna just pick apart what he did wrong, but I wanna look at how does God show up right in the middle of our failed heart. So back to Elijah, being dramatic, he's done, asking God to kill him. In exhaustion and depression, he falls asleep. Reading on from there. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and rest, or sorry, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Now, sometimes, well, I, let me preface it with this because I don't want to get, an, get any angry emails this week, okay? So um, the battle that we do fight is not merely flesh and blood. We, 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 like, we know this. Like there are battles of darkness or battles of light that are constantly happening, but behind the scenes at all times. We know that. However, we also do have a tendency as Christians to sometimes over-spiritualize every single low point that we go through that every single thing has to have some kind of lesson. Everything is an attack of the enemy. And sometimes we have a tendency, and I think this is why you and I, we, we're not, if you have a good small group, God, God bless you, that changes everything. It changed everything for me. But I think sometimes that's why we're not quick to wanna share what we're going through. Because sometimes what we do as saints is we offer overly simplistic solutions. You just gotta have more faith. You just gotta pray more and God doesn't do that in these verses. He doesn't guilt the once great prophet. He doesn't tell him to pray harder or try harder. He doesn't over-spiritualize the situation. You know what God says? Bro, you need a nap and a snack. Like, you need a Snickers, you're not yourself. Like, you need, like, like I'm gonna have to take care of you now because the spiritual matters, it does, but so does the physical and the mental. And one is not just more important than the other, they're actually all connected. So Elijah wants to give up and God simply takes care of his needs. He can write this down. Even when you are faithless, God remains faithful. And that is not just a, a snappy point. I could sum up my faith journey with this one sentence. 
that when I am at my most faithless, God has been most faithful. Why? Because he genuinely cares about you. And, and, and we come back to this part because I think this is the part that you and I that have been in church a long time and we've gone through it and we should know better and we shouldn't be in this place. I feel like we're the ones that sometimes struggle with it the most. We can look a sinner in the eyes and tell them God loves you so much, but we cannot receive that for our own soul. And so let me give you a really, uh, just a really weird, uh, I mean, weird, but very poignant example. Okay, as many of you know, um, my youngest out of five, five kids, my youngest is about two and a half. His name's Jonas. And, and Jonas is a handful, okay? So uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now, we took Jonas uh, to Disneyland. Now here's what happened. Here was Jonas when we walked in the gates, okay? You can see the magic. Here was Jonas on his first ride. Uh, you can see the magic. <laughs> Poor kid, I think it was Roger Rabbit. And then uh, here is uh, our you know, family photo with all the kids. There's Jonas having a great time. Now we took Jonas again to Disneyland like about a, a month, month and a half ago. He had a much better time, okay? So this is, uh, this is him now. And yeah, we're, he's got that Samson hair going on. And he, um, he, had, he had a much better time. But here's what we found out about Jonas, even, even when he has a good time now. Jonas likes to point at everything. He points at every single thing he sees. Sometimes he doesn't point at the object, he points up at the object. Now that would be fine, except for the fact that Jonas points exclusively with his middle fingers only. <laughs> so I won't stick the finger at you, but you can do the math that we'd be like, buddy, there's Mickey Mouse. And he'd be like, <laughs> the worst, the worst. He gets it from his mother, I swear, it's not me. It ain't me. Are we in trouble? Are we in trouble? This kid, this kid is a handful. He's added, uh, I've got, I got some uh, gray hairs. I got some salt and pepper going on now in my hair. And this kid, and for all my kids, there, there is nothing that I would not do for them. There's nothing, there's nothing that I would not do for this kid. I tell him no a lot. He gets frustrated, but I do no better than him. And you learn a lot when you have a toddler, right? Like, wow, this must be what it feels like to be God to deal with me every single day. <laughs> I tell him no a lot. There's nothing. There, even when I tell him no, it's for his own good, right? There's nothing that I wouldn't do for this kid. And Jesus points out to us in Matthew 7, 11, I'm paraphrasing, you who are sinful, you know how to give good gifts and take care of your children. And so if you know how to take care of your children, then how much more will God give good things to those who ask and those who seek? I think all of us would say, if I asked you, I think all of us would say, if we asked you the question, does God care about you? You would say, yes, but there are some of us that think that God cares for us and he does so with a frown on his face and a heavy sigh underneath his breath. That he's got one hand full of grace and he's got one hand full of punishment just waiting for us and it just isn't true. Both of his nail-pierced hands are full of grace. And Jesus did not die for you to just put up with you. He, did, he, he didn't die for you to just put up with you. It, it's not based on your performance. Thank God, because if it was, you and I would have been doomed from the very start. 
I, I love my son deeply. I would do anything for him. And yet God loves me infinitely more. So if you, if you love your kids a lot, if you're struggling right, right now with your kids, maybe pick your car or something else. But if you who we genuinely, even if they're making us frustrated, we love our kids so much. And yet, yet God loves me infinitely more. Psalm 103, 11, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Okay, back to this story. And the hardest part about today there's so much more that I want to say, but let's, let's move on in this story. Verse seven. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. If you're, if you're taking notes, underline this part. This journey, the, the journey is too much for you. And I tell you to underline that because I think that is a word for some of us. The journey is too much much for you. And some of you are like, I don't like that word at all. Bring back Pastor Alec. Too bad. Um, That is a word. That's a word for you and I. The journey is too much for you alone. And I I feel like for me, and I've I've seen this so many times, that, that, that every time I get to this place where I say, Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I'm done. Lord, I can't do it anymore. I feel like Jesus's response to me is finally. Finally. I have been, I've been waiting for you to realize this. I've been waiting for you to stop just walking out into the desert aimlessly. I've been waiting for you to realize this because at the end of yourself is often where your life with God starts or it restarts. It actually begins in the place that says, I can't do this anymore. And at the end of Josiah is where Jesus does some of his best work. It's where he does some of his best work. Going back into the text, verse eight. So he got up and ate and drank. Okay, I like this part. Okay, God takes care of him again. God feeds him a second time. I like that part, but I don't like the next part. And I'll tell you why. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave to spend the night. My man Elijah's tired, like he's tired, he's spent. And so God takes care of him twice. And then he makes him travel 40 days and 40 nights, which sounds the opposite of restful. And there's some scholars that say that, that this journey could have actually taken Elijah 10 days, but it takes him 40. Why 40? Well, you see 40, over and over in the Bible, right? You see Noah's Ark, 40 days, 40 nights. Children of Israel, 40 years. Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights. Because 40 represents the number of trial, testing, preparation, and spiritual renewal. So there's, there's a purpose. The trial and the testing is not so God can watch back and just sit back and watch you struggle. There is a, a purpose for the testing, a purpose for the journey. He goes to Mount Horeb, which is also known as Mount Sinai. So this is where, you know, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments and he spends the night in a cave. And it could be translated to not a cave, but the cave, because this is the cave where God meets with Moses, where his presence passes over. So Elijah says, I'm done. And yet God strengthens him for what is ahead. You can write this down. When we pray to get out, God often strengthens us to go through. I cannot tell you how many times I have asked the Lord to pray, pray to get me out of something. I, I've told you before that, I'm a, that I, 
I grew up as a pastor's kid. I was never one of those children that was like, you know, there's kids that are like, I want to be a firefighter or an astronaut or a police officer. Like they kind of know. And there's some kids that they do it. Like what, what they said is like who they grow up to be. I never knew what I wanted to be. But if you asked me as a kid, I would have told you, I have no idea what I want to be, but I do know this. I do not want to be a pastor. And the Lord has a sense of humor, doesn't he? The one thing I said I wasn't going to be. My first year of being a youth pastor in California was so difficult. It was so hard. It was, it was in a rough area. And after every single night of youth group, for maybe six months to a year, I, I, I wept on the way home. And I promised God that I was going to quit. And I asked him, I just kept asking, would you release me? Would you release me? Would you release me? And then... He obviously didn't. And then taking over this church in 2016 and leading through COVID, that there have been more times that I have prayed this prayer more than I would like to admit. So here's my conclusion. I know that all sounds really depressing, but let me give you the kind of hopeful conclusion of all of this. I am so glad that God does not answer all my prayers. I am so glad that there have been some prayers in my life, many prayers, that God has refused to answer. Because if he did, then I would not be here with you today. And, and, and that's just talking about my journey or your journey. I'm not talking about every situation. There are some prayers that, that I, I do not know why the Lord does not answer, especially prayers that we pray for other people. Prayers for healing, prayers for deliverance and, and comfort. I just, I don't know why there are some prayers that he doesn't answer, but there are some prayers and I, I, I know why he chooses not to. I'm sure for Elijah too, he, he prays that God would kill him. Now this is how much of a sense of humor our God has. Elijah is one of the few people in the Bible to actually not die. So he prays that God would kill him. God's like, well, you're going to be one of the few that's not going to die now. And as a chariot, much, you know, much later, as a chariot takes him to heaven, I wonder if he looked back at earth and smiled as he remembered his foolish prayer that he prayed under that broom bush. When we pray to get out, God often strengthens us to go through because while you and I are consumed with the destination, that's all we think about. All we think about is the job, the house, the place. We're consumed with the destination. God really cares so much more about the journey. You and I care. We're consumed about where we are and God cares more about who we are and who we are becoming. And there's a, a work that, that happens in the journey. James says in uh, chapter one, verses two through four, I'm paraphrasing. He says, have joy when you face trials because the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance. And then he says, let perseverance finish its work. Like there's, there's a working out of your muscles that is happening in your faith. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So if you bail out early, there's an immaturity and an incompleteness that you and I have. There's a work in the journey, a shaping of character. So Elijah goes on this journey. We're coming to the, towards the end of this story. We'll go a little bit faster here. Now he still may be depressed. He probably still wants to give up but he is no longer alone. And I imagine on this 40-day journey, he's not just spending it walking and traveling in silence, 
but he is walking with the Lord in order to go and like have this special encounter with the Lord. Verse nine. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now God knows the answer to this question, but he wants Elijah to unpack it. So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. Remember those four words. And they seek to take my life. So everything he says is true, except for the statement that says, I alone am left. I am the only one that is going through this. Pain has a way of exaggerating itself. Because later on, God's going to tell Elijah, later on in this chapter, actually there's 7,000 that I have reserved for myself. That when you and I are, are going through it and we're in the low point and we're, when, when we're in the wilderness and we're struggling, we have this tendency to look around at church and everybody's smiling. We have this tendency to say, I'm the only one. I'm the only one depressed. I'm the only one with anxiety. I'm the only one whose marriage is like, we're the only, we're the only couple. We're not holding hands right now. Everybody else is. I'm the, one struggling. the only one with kids that are wandering around. I'm the, I'm the only one sleeping around. I'm the only one looking at pornography. I'm the only one struggling with alcohol and drugs. Like We have this tendency to think that we are the only one. And can I tell you that that is part of our flesh, but it is also part of a tactic of the enemy to isolate ourselves from everybody else. Because every single one of us could stand up and say, we're not going to do that today, so don't worry about that. We could stand up and talk about what we're struggling with right now. And you would be blown away by how not alone you are. Verse 11, this is where we're going we're to land the plane on this story. Then he says, this is God talking, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. God knows that Elijah doesn't need self-help. He doesn't need a really good sermon. He doesn't need better theology. He doesn't need to just dig deep and find more faith deep down inside. Elijah very simply needs to meet with God. Like he just needs to experience his presence because even in the deepest of sorrow is a God that is waiting to be found. And you and I will tend to look for him in the joy and the good places and the grand and the miracles. And I love how this verse, it takes all this time to let you know where God is not. Not that he never shows up in these miraculous places, but we have a tendency to look for God in the strong wind and the broken rocks and the earthquake and the fire. But like in this story, the Lord is often found behind the noise. And the scripture says a a still small voice, meaning that after all this noise was a deep silence and then a whisper. And we don't know what the whisper is. We We don't know what God says here. And I don't even know if God actually said anything. It's almost as if if there's a deep silence and a gentle whisper, it's it's like God is simply saying, I'm here. I know it's hard. 
I know you're tired. I know you want to give up, but, but I am here. You can write down this, this last point and then we'll pray and go into worship. When we are distant, God is near. It doesn't matter how far we've walked out into the wilderness. When we are distant, God is near. We're going to sing uh, this song together. And, and really, here's how I kind of see the service this weekend. And it's not going to take, you know, incredibly long. The worship time, the announcement time, uh, the giving time, the message, all of that is important stuff. But really, everything that we talked about, everything we learned about, it comes to this one moment right here. Because if you are tired and you are weary, and I'm sure there are a lot of you that are, and actually in a moment, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you if you're in this place, I'm going to have you stand in a moment just to prepare you. And I want you to know it's not going to be like you standing and the whole church is going to be like, "Mm, let's pray for the sinner over there. Like literally a lot of this room is going to be standing up. If I wasn't already standing, I probably would be standing with you too. That that what what you don't need is necessarily more good worship, although it's helpful. You don't need another really good message, although I'm sure that's helpful too. You, you simply need the presence of God. And, and, and that's all I'm gonna pray. That's all I'm gonna ask for, is that, that, God, that God would just touch your heart, that you would feel his strength and his presence. And, and it would be cool, like maybe God will give you a word. We're gonna have our prayer teams out. Maybe God will give out some healing. He can do that as well. But for a lot of us, we just need to know that Lord, I'm still in it. And God, I know you're still with me too. Amen. And so I know we have a really wide range of needs here. So there's gonna be some of us, and and I'm not gonna have you like indicate which side you're on. There's gonna be some of us that, that, that you feel suicidal, that you want to take your life, that you are that depressed. There's some of you that you, you want to give up, like you did not want to come to church today. And there are others of you that everything you're going through, everything you're facing, it just feels like bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. You're just, you're exhausted. And so by, by, by standing, the only thing that you're gonna say to the Lord is, Lord, the journey is too much for me and I need you. That's it. And so, and, 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 and we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray together. I'm gonna pray for you. And so acknowledge who you are online. If you're online and you need prayer, you kind of have the beauty of the chat. So let us know in the chat what you need prayer for. Be as vague or as specific as you want. For those of us in person, if, if you need a prayer, for just strength. You're just asking for strength. You're saying, Lord, the journey is too much for me. Would you just stand right where you are? I'm not gonna have you come to the front. We're gonna pray for you right where, yeah, and there's a ton of you, so just go ahead and stand. You're tired. You need strength. You need a touch of the Lord's presence. Just stand right where you are. Yeah, this is, it's good. The journey is too much for you, but you do not walk it alone. Would you say amen to that? And it's good that I say it and it's good that you amen it. But I want you to feel it. We don't serve an ancient or archaic God. We don't serve a God who sits up in heaven and he just watches from a distance. We serve a God that sits in the mud with us. He is near. If you're online, wherever you are, I wish I could be in the room and give you a hug, but it doesn't matter. Your pastor doesn't need to be there because your God is there. And so I wanna pray for you. 
And before I do, I want to read this verse over you. And so I'm going to ask you, if you're standing, would you just put your hands out in front of you like this? It's just a posture of receiving. The word of God is alive and active. It's not just some ancient book of stories and things to do and not do. It's, it's, it's the very word of God. And so this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. And a lot of us know these verses, but would you just feel them with your heart and, and feel as if you are receiving these very words into your soul. I'm gonna read them slowly. The Lord says through the prophet, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and that's what we're praying for and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men, they stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Lord God, I pray for every brother and sister standing right now, young and old. Lord, you know where every single heart is at. You know what every single person is struggling with. And I, I just, I, I, feel, I feel that we're supposed to pray this. Lord, for those struggling so bad that they have wanted to or want to end their life, would you wrap your arms around them right now? They might not tell a soul. I hope they do, but they might not tell a soul. There's too much shame. There's too much guilt. God, would they start in the place of love with you? Would you wrap your arms around them? Break down every wall that we have built up toward you. And God, would we feel your everlasting presence for when there is a deficit and there is less of us, there happens to just be more of you. And so God, I pray that your presence would permeate this place. I pray that it would permeate those watching online in their living rooms and in their car, in their kitchen. And God, that as we just worship you, would we feel your arms wrap around us because you love us so and would you renew our strength? Renew the hope in our mind. Renew the faith within our bones. Renew the strength and the courage in our hearts. We love you, Lord. Would you meet us here in this time as we just worship you with all that we have? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're sitting, you can go ahead and stand and let's just sing together and I'll come out, we'll close out. We hope you were blessed by this weekend sermon. If this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to check out our website, newhopeleeward.org, to learn more about us and how you can get connected into our ohana. We hope you'll join us again soon.